What is up, everybody, and welcome to Mysteries with Mommies. I am your host, Angie Thompson, and with me, as always, is my absolutely gorgeous co-host, Kristen Bakke. Kristen, how you doing? I'm doing good, and before we get too deep, I just want to celebrate that you had a birthday and ask how your birthday was and tell you happy birthday. Well, thank you. I know you texted, but thank you again. Yeah, I turned 42. So oh, getting up that's there, that's, that's a getting good up there, but I like it. yeah, so it was, uh, no, it was good. I was, uh, woken up by my children singing happy birthday to me Aww. and they're still young enough that it's cute when they come in and wake me up. So it's cute. And they, they got me some cute presents and, you know, we hung out and went to the arcade and that, that was about it. Nothing too adventurous although i did have um some of my friends from work shout out to those who are listening um especially Brittany. i think Brittany listens um we did a i had a murder box you know Ooh, where they give you like a case to solve yeah. and so there were about six of us who tried to solve that murder we got together and uh hello murder party and it turned out we are very bad detectives <laughs> maybe the box was bad though maybe it's not oh y'all. no i thought you're a great detective maybe it's the clues that they gave oh no they well here's the thing i when i got it i got it a long time ago and i'd opened it one night because the kids weren't here and i was like okay well i'm just gonna do this and i looked through it and i had my suspicions of who it was but then i started thinking oh this is really sad that i'm here on a friday night doing this by myself so I put it back with the intention of doing it with someone else. And my initial suspicions were correct. Ooh. So, uh, but no, it was actually a lot of fun. They had to where there's like a phone number on a post-it note. And when you called the number, you got a voicemail of one of the characters. Really? Yeah. And all that. So. Um, that is cool. I it was like fun. That. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. So we're going to, we were also kind of rushed because like I had the kids and there were some other, my friend's kids there and they were getting tired because we didn't start till seven. So we were kind of rushed. So I feel yeah, like that could be I it think, too. Yeah. I think next time we're going to have like a mom's weekend <gasps> Yeah, or something That's... that we can just, you know, yeah, not have to be your thing. Yeah, yeah. Not have to rush. yeah, I get it. Yeah, but they were. I, mean, I, told you, I told you it wasn't y'all's detective skills. I knew there was a, another was reason. A time crunch. <laughs> and my and my children wanted to help. They're so sweet. They wanted yeah. to help, but then both got freaked out. Because I told them, I was like, no, it's fake or whatever. But then my one son, he he definitely was getting freaked out. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just wrap this up before my child is scarred for life. And they did end up sleeping in my bed that night. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. I miss I those mean, days. They're only eight. So it was like, and they came and I was like, well, are you sure? But we were at a part to where we had already discussed the murder and stuff like that. So we were trying to like decode something. I mean, so nothing real heavy, but just talking about it i think yeah so but we got a good day though 
We did. Yeah. We, uh, even my, uh, my friend whose house it was at, um, she even got her, uh, whiteboard. We were really yes. trying to figure out how to do a murder board. That's like a real detective kind of thing. Oh That's yeah. Oh hard. yeah. I, I think if we would have had more time, we would have figured it out. I love it. So, but yeah, it was fun, fun times. So, and then, uh, my hips hurt a little bit more. It's like, as soon as that birthday comes, the problems come. Yeah. More problems come. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, but that's it. It was lots of fun. So thank you for asking next time you will. And you will be invited to mom's murder weekend. Cause I need my Ooh, partner. I would love to come to mom's murder weekend. <laughs> I feel like we should like split up in teams. I think would be yeah. fun. That's a good idea to see who like could do, you know, what team could solve it first. Yeah. Like go. Yeah. So you can go faster mm-hmm. yeah, faster. Just who can get to the, yeah. Yeah. A competition competition is what we're saying yeah i get it yeah it'd be fun i like it yeah so um yeah so that was about it we were um uh well much as someone texted me and i lost my train of thought and i could edit that out but i'm not so sorry (laughs) (laughs) you get older you get tired you forget get forgetful and you get lazy yeah, we like to keep it real on here, so it's all good. It, it is, man. It's already eight fifteen. Summer or not, you know, it's whatever. But um, yeah, let's just jump right into this case. I actually was going back and forth between this one and another one. The other one we'll probably cover next time. Um, but this one, I was just kind of looking through. I I go to to find cases. People always ask me, you know, where I get these cases. And a lot of times I go to this website called um, Uncovered. It's uncovered.com. And so they have all these like cold cases around the country. So I was just kind of browsing through it. And this one was on one of their needs to be solved list, which is weird because they all need to be solved. But what it was moments if you get on the needs to be solved list? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, so this one was on there, and it caught my attention because it's from um, Ohio up in the Cleveland area, and I have family that lives up there, and then I actually went to college up there for a couple years, so, like, I knew the area, Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, let's see what is messed up up there. We always look at what's messed up in Texas, and we've had had a lot of the uh, Pacific Northwest area, so let's, let's move east into the Midwest. And see how messed up the Midwest can get. <laughs> so, well, because we know we're not touching New York. Uh, no, we're not. No, no we're not. Yeah. Oh, Y'all don't know what we're talking about. It was a previous episode and decided that New York does not want us to feature them. New York wants to keep all of her secrets, and that is yep. fine. And that is fine. Let it happen. Mm hmm. Um, so anyway, this case is about a young lady named Don Pacella, and she was born on June 28th, 1985 in Parma, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. 
just okay. so y'all kind of know. So it's a suburb of Cleveland. Um, to her parents, Ed and Karen Pasela. Um, her parents described her as rebellious and high spirited, which this one was interesting because usually on the website, they don't have a blurb where they interviewed the parents, but this one, the parents actually like told their story, I guess. Um, yeah. So this information is coming from that website, which is coming from her parents. Um, they said she was curious, questioned everything, but and was very analytical. So she always wanted to know what, like, if you told her something, she wanted to be like, why? Why does this happen? Which, coincidentally, I have one son in particular that is the same way. It's like that. Yeah. Sometimes he does it just to irritate me, though. I was just going to say, sometimes those kiddos come across as, like, trying to be disrespectful, but really they're just that's just them. Like they genuinely need to know why they need to have an explanation. Yeah. Well, my son, he does it to irritate me on purpose. He won't do it to anyone else, but he does do it. But yeah, so very, yeah. Inquisitive. Um, they said she was always surrounded by friends. She was a leader and she was homeschooled. And it said that she was kind of part of a community. Um, Catholicism is very, um, popular, I don't know, religion, whatever. There's a lot of Catholics up in that area and they were, she was raised Catholic and she was homeschooled. And like the, the group that she was a part of with her friends and their parents and all that, um, were very conservative. So Dawn was kind of known to, you know, just kind of maybe put her toe over the line a little bit. Okay. You know, just, just push back a little bit, not enough to be like a problem child or be disrespectful in any way, but it was kind of like, let's see what we can get away with type of a thing. So, um, her parents said that they couldn't remember a weekend that they weren't having a sleepover. So, um, so Dawn, again, she had a lot of friends, very popular, very friendly. Um, even despite being homeschooled, which, you know, sometimes they can be sheltered. Um, she just always had people around her and she always emerged as the leader. Um, she went on to college at Cleveland State University, as well as Cuyahoga County Community College. Um, and while she was there, her academics were excellent. Um, but while she was there, she was the president and founder of Phi Theta Kappa. Okay. She, she was a member of the National Honor Society's Dean's List. So not just the Dean's List, but the National Honor Society. So um, very oh, yeah. academic young lady. Very right? academic, yeah. And she also was a member um, at uh, Cuyahoga County. She was a member of the Criminal Justice Club. Okay. So she, um, she I believe her degree was in uh, business and criminal justice. So, very, very smart person. Yes. And she had a passion for basically writing what was wrong with that criminal justice thing. Like if she saw wrong, she wanted it to be fixed and she was determined to do that. In 
2009, after she graduated, she was hired by prosecutors Dan Casares. I don't really care if I'm pronouncing his name right or not. <laughs> and um, Mark Bennett as the office manager of the Mortgage Fraud Task Force. Um, that was like the thing that they headed up um, as prosecutors. So she was the office manager of that, which is a pretty, um, pretty big job for someone just out of college yeah. to have, because she basically knew everything that was going on in that office. Um, despite that job, which I'm sure kept her busy, she volunteered for many different organizations. Um, one was a, a sports group for special needs kids. She worked at the food kitchen. She worked at the animal shelter. She's like a model citizen. That's yeah, awesome. Pretty much. Oh, well, wait, wait till you hear this part though. <laughs> On lunch breaks, a lot of times she would go to the grocery store and buy roses and pass them out to people who she thought needed something. Oh, like if she thought that's... someone was looking was sad or whatever. Person? Well, what and the thing person. Well, the thing is, her parents didn't know about that or didn't know about any of that. Um, they didn't find out until her funeral when people came up to them. And told them? And told them. Oh. So she wasn't bragging on herself. Yeah, uh, she, she just wasn't the recognition. It was genuine. Yeah. Yes, she just really wanted to help people. And and so uh, that was some, I mean, that. When I read that, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break. Cause that's really sad that to lose someone like that. Um, so she's the office manager with these two guys and she got pulled into some stuff by them in 2009. Um, Dan and Matt were, was it Matt or Matt? I can't remember his name because I don't care. Mark. <laughs> They're both a-holes, so it's like I don't even care. Their names don't matter. But anyway, so Dan and Mark go to Dawn, and I mean, they're her bosses. They hired her. They can fire her. And said, hey, we're going to have you go to a free Tony Viola event and pose as a graduate student. And we're going to have you wear a wire. This goes back to a mistake that those two made in 2008 for when they were prosecuting Tony uh, Viola. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do a side note about Tony real quick. Yeah, because I was wondering who he is. Well, the way initially when you start off, like kind of reading about the case, you think, oh, that's him. He did it. Oh, <laughs> But he doesn't. So Tony was the president of the Realty Corporation of America. So he was like a realtor, broker, something like that. I don't, all that stuff confuses me. Um, but anyway, so he was, he was basically in the real estate business. And he, in 2008, he was, um, accused of being a part of 
one of the nation's biggest mortgage fraud cases. Oh. So he is like accused of being the uh, ringleader. Mm-hmm. And he was convicted or he was indicted on both the federal and the state levels with over 50 counts of fraud. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Okay. He is a yeah. mastermind. Well, that's what they want you to think. Oh, so okay. <laughs> they said, so the state and the federal government said that Tony and his associate Yuri Goffman were the ringleaders of the scheme that defrauded banks out of $44 million. What? So four million. So, um, how this started this case against Tony is with this woman named Catherine Clover. And she went to Tony and said she wanted help buying properties. Like, I guess she wanted to buy, she had a property to sell. And Tony's like, well, to be honest, you really need to fix it up and then sell it. Cause no one's going to want to buy it. She said, yeah. well, what if I buy like ready to go properties? So she asked for help, uh, with that. And Catherine, Miss Catherine, <laughs> um, Katie to her husband, Kat to her lover. Um, and her, she was having an affair with none other than Dan, good old Dan, Don's boss. Oh man. So basically Dan, for whatever reason, he was targeting Tony. Like there was a whole big thing that we just don't have time to get into um, about this whole like Tony case, but we're not here to cover that. So I'm not going to get into all that, but basically Dan had it out for him. And so he realized that Catherine had been working with him. So he approached Catherine and said, we're going to prosecute you for fraud if you don't become a state witness. Like an informant? So she said, well, of course, I'm going to testify against Tony. I don't want to go to jail. So I can't hear you. They basically, those two laid out a plan that said Tony was definitely the one that was stealing from the banks. So the prosecutor worked out with one of the witnesses who he was sleeping with, basically how to frame this guy. Wow. So, um, so they're trying to build this case against Tony. Well, Dan and Mark decide that as they're looking through evidence and like preparing for a trial and to indict him and all that, that they may have messed up and the evidence that was found and that they had showed that Tony was actually innocent. Oh, Oh. So at this point they were, and this was, it was more, it seemed to me, it was more like a Dan thing. And Mark kind of like went with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So in 2009, like I said, they told Dawn, okay, you're going to pose as a graduate student. You're going to get in close with uh, Tony Viola and you're going to record all of your conversations. So she was always wearing a wire. Which is dangerous. Which is dangerous in any case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so they said they justified this to her. They told her it was because they wanted to obtain confidential, uh, the defense strategy, basically. They were, they wanted her to talk to him in a way that he would, um, basically give up his whole defense strategy. They also had her write a check to his defense fund because they wanted to get the canceled check back for his defense lawyer's law firm bank account, as well as a list of supporters. Wait, why, why are we getting the cancel check back help? Well, cause, well, because it has something. I don't remember how they stamped it or whatever. They could get it, get the information from it, get the okay. information, and then they could get into his bank account. I mean, cause they're, at this point, they're like state prosecutors. So um, <laughs> they have a lot of ways. Yeah. Okay. So, they, gotcha, gotcha. so from the bank account information, they were able to find like his big supporters. And basically he found their supporters who could be witnesses to say he's innocent and threatened them with prosecution saying, if you testify for Tony, then we will prosecute you for and then whatever they came up with. Um, so, and they did, I mean, Don, given her legal background, her criminal justice background, and just her being a good person was like, well, what if I don't feel comfortable doing this? And they basically threatened her job oh, if she didn't do it. It's blackmail. Or yeah, is it? And, yeah. Is that blackmail? Well, and then you yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That might not be the right term, but it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. That's what we know. Um, so, and at this point, like, she doesn't necessarily know all the information and she has a good job where she can make a difference. So, like, she doesn't want to lose. Like, at this point, I understand her reasoning and not wanting to lose that job. Yeah. Because it really absolutely. could put her in a place to make a huge difference. So she goes along with it. So that's in 2009. Well, between 2009 and 2011, um, as Dawn was working again as office manager, um, she noticed that files were being taken and not returned. And that others showed that her signature was forged to take them out. Oh, like someone would be like, I'm taking this file, which they all dealt with Tony and his associates. Yeah. So like, I'm taking this out. They would forge her name and then never bring it back. Um, and she also noticed um, that uh, prosecutors, she noticed that like, cause she was in all of these meetings. She noticed that um, the prosecutors were withholding um exculpatory evidence, which I had to look that up. I didn't know what that meant. Basically yeah, evidence that helps the defendant. 
Um, so the, that, so prosecutors weren't giving all of their evidence, which you're supposed to do. Like in discovery, right? Yeah. I know that, I know that word. (laughs) Yeah. Like you trade, you trade. Yeah. You trade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I watched um, watched my cousin Vinny enough times to know what you have to do. (laughs) I mean, I've seen law and order many times, so it's fine. Many times. (laughs) So they wanted to keep him in prison because in, he was indicted. This is where all my dates get confused. My notes are a mess for this. Sorry, listeners. Um, So he was... In 2010, he Tony was indicted at the federal and state level. Um, the prosecutors realized even more, like once he was indicted, that he that their case was wrong and they had no evidence. Um, and they had, and then it turns out, like further investigation later, that they had missed stated the law like basically it was like they misspoke Mm -hmm. like oopsie which we know that dan and cat as he called her orchestrated this whole thing so obviously they're going to misstate the law yeah so um so he's indicted he was convicted by the federal government in 2000 on April 1st, 2011 and sentenced to 12 and a half years in prison in federal prison to how many years Say that again? Well, 12 and a half. Oh, I don't know why. I thought I heard you say 112. I was like, what? (laughs) For taking some money from banks that have a buttload of money. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, dang, okay. Well, that's whole different time time period we're talking about um no so he had 12 and a half years so um he went to appeal his federal conviction because he said that he had ineffective representation which his defense attorney said no that's not right i did what i could but it also later came out that his defense attorney was also threatened wow so they went all out to try to keep him in prison, at least for his full 12 and a half years. So um, Dawn realized that this was happening and her conscience, she was like, like Tony went to prison and she's like, this isn't right. I had a a part in him going to prison because she, they had her rec- uh, recordings that they used and, and everything from Tony, from her pretending to be a graduate student to Tony. So, um, she had sat in all the meetings in regards to this trial. Um, and she heard all of the plans to lie. So Catherine Clover Dan's mistress um, sat in the office with the two prosecutors and some other witnesses. And basically Dawn heard their strategy like, okay, well you're going to say this and you're going to say that. Oh, that's terrible. 
So she obviously felt guilty about this. So she actually went to Tony himself when he was in prison. Wow. That is very brave and courageous to do the right thing. Yeah. She, um, so she, she contacts Tony is like, um, I'm sorry. I'm not really, cause you can read his account. Um, said, you know, I'm sorry. I, I hate to tell you this. I'm not a graduate student. Um, he said when she came to talk to him that she seemed like very nervous, which I would be too. Like you're telling someone, Hey, I put you in jail. Sorry. Um, but he just was like, I appreciate your honesty. I know it wasn't your fault. And so Don actually gave Tony all of the evidence she had in hopes of getting his conviction overturned as well as prepare for his state trial because he still hadn't had his state trial yet. So, um, Tony also decided that he was, I feel weird calling him Tony. Like he's my best friend. Um, but Tony decided that he was not going to have an attorney to represent him. He was going to represent himself, but he was a realtor. So he didn't have like all of the legal knowledge that he should have, or the legal strategies to use in court. So he actually worked with Dawn. Um, she went so far as to, she worked with him to prepare his defense and basically taught him how to act as a lawyer in the courtroom. Okay. You cut out for a second and I missed a part. Um, so I missed where you said that like she had gone to Tony and like, were you about to, she gave him the evidence or she gave him the information? Yeah. I was wondering, because I didn't get any reaction from you. No, I was texting you like, I can't hear you because it was still recording, but I couldn't hear you. And I think it's my thing because, yeah, even whenever I was saying I can't hear you, it wasn't showing on (laughs) on my side that it was picking up me talking. So I was just a ghost for a little bit, I guess. Okay, well, we'll try to cut that out. No promises. (laughs) So, So if you heard all that, listeners, I'm sorry, I got lazy. So, so yeah, so she goes, <laughs> girl, it's summer. I'm tired. I know. I get it. Um, I get so it. She, she went to visit Tony in federal prison and yeah, said, I lied to you. I'm not a graduate student. I work for these guys. I wore a wire and this is what went on. And she told him, you know, all the meetings she had sat in, she gave him all of the evidence oh, that wow. she had collected. Yeah. And gave him basically everything. And he um, he was going to represent himself in his state trial. And so, because, you know, in his federal trial, he felt like he had inadequate defense. Okay. So he decided he was going to represent himself. And being a realtor, he didn't have the legal background. So Dawn actually worked with him. Um, basically, she taught him how to be a lawyer. Okay. Okay. You know, like gotcha. this, okay. I think this is on that the part. questions wow. you should ask in court. This is how you should state. This is, is like, you know, basically she like, deserves, yeah, she deserves like some kind of an award because that took a lot 
of courage to go to someone and say, this is what happened. And I'm like, she's making something that's wrong, trying to make it right. That's incredible. Yeah. And these are some big names too. Yeah. I'd be scared. Yeah. And so, um, of course she didn't tell her bosses that because why would she? So, uh, Dan, um, prosecutor Dan, looks over so he's preparing for tony's trial and he's looking over the defense witness list and sees dawn's name on it okay so that was a big all of a sudden like they're about to get like they're realizing that they're about to get in trouble (laughs) yes basically yes they're screwed is basically they're like oh crap um So, at first, they uh, basically, she subpoenaed uh, to go to court on March 21st, 2012. And she didn't get her court date yet. They just said, you're going to appear in court. Um, So, at first, Casares and Bennett, or Dan and Mark, um, began threatening her with prison. They said, well, you broke a confidentiality agreement. Well, she never signed a confidentiality agreement. So, so I said, well, you better not testify. So that didn't work. So then they just continued to threaten her to the point that she became terrified. Like she was afraid for her safety. Absolutely. I'm surprised they didn't forge a confidentiality um, agreement just to go back. And I mean, it seemed they're shady, obviously. I'm surprised they didn't just do that to try to make it like it easier for themselves and say, oh, well, look what we have here and, you know, or whatever. I don't think they're that smart. Like, I don't think, I mean, I know getting to where they were, but I feel like they kind of conned their way up to where they were. Yeah. So. I don't know. But yeah, so she, that, that didn't work. So then they started threatening her parents. And at one point, Dan shows up to her parents' house and says, we need to look for uh, computers and hard drives. And her dad, mm. her dad's like, that's fine. Come back with a warrant. Well, they never came back. Oh. So he Dan, Mr. Prosecutor, was just there on his own accord trying to intimidate. Yeah. Um, so Dawn eventually got so freaked out that she moved back in with her parents. And it was to the point of, like, she parked her car in their garage because she was afraid, you know, these guys would drive by and see her car in her parents' you know, on her parents' street or in the driveway or something. So she actually had to park her car in the garage. And then, yeah. And then Dan um, started spreading rumors around work that Don basically was an alcoholic and drug addict. So trying to discredit her. Yeah. So I think at this point they're trying to just discredit her. Um. Her parents did admit that she did drink more than what she did not become an alcoholic in any way. Um, But maybe she had a few more drinks than what she normally would. 
but given the stress of the situation she was in, um, I don't blame her. Yeah. So yeah. she's, yeah. So she stayed, um, about two weeks at her parents and then her confidence started to, you know, get better. And she's like, okay, I can do this. So she moved back to her apart, moved back to her apartment in June. Oh, and then, so shortly after that, um, Dawn was fired from her job. Oh, of course she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as trial gets closer. Oh, so that was, um, June, 2011 is when she's, uh, fired and then they come back on March 22nd and say well you know what we'll give you your job back under these conditions and they did that because they knew that she knew too much because she had access to all the files all the meetings I mean she she had access to everything Mm -hmm. and if we remember going back to my timeline Dawn was subpoenaed to be a witness on March 21st. So conveniently the day after she gets her job off her back. So that is, yeah, that that's obviously uh, an agenda that they have with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, her court date where she was supposed to be, uh, where she was supposed to appear in court was April um, April 18th, 2012. Like that was her court date. And she missed it. So the judge on the case, uh, Daniel Gall, issued a bench warrant for her arrest. And Don obviously knew about this. Um, so on April 23rd, 2012, She called the judge and she said, I'm afraid to appear. I've been threatened and I'm scared to come to court. And the judge wanted to, or she asked like if there was a later time or something, because originally it was okay, well we'll push it back. And then she never showed up. So at this point she was supposed to be the last witness for the defense So it was too late basically for her to come in and testify because the closing arguments had already been done and the court was closed for the jury to decide. So, um, so she wasn't able to testify. So on, Oh, oh, sorry. My notes get a little crazy here. Um, so then her parents send a welfare check on April 25th to um, for the police to check on Dawn because they hadn't heard from her. They were at her house the previous night. And so, um, so they were at their, her house on the 24th. They hadn't heard from her at all on the 25th. And so they say they call in a welfare check. Well, dad goes over there. Um, and she wouldn't open the door for him. So they're like, okay, something's wrong. So when the police get there, so the welfare check was, 
they called in at 5.44 p.m. on April 25th. And then at 6.15 p.m., six officers showed up to do the check. That's a, uh, Exactly. That's because usually there's two. Yeah, girl, that was like one. Six. So if it's just a normal welfare check, hey, we haven't heard from our kid. She's not answering the door for us. And But six showed up. Wow. That's, yeah, I think that's a, a sign that they knew something was already not right. Yeah. So at 6.15 p.m., Dawn was found uh, dead in her apartment. Oh. And her dad, her dad was there. They wouldn't let him go in. But when um. she was found, when she her body was found, they would not let the family in to identify the body. Because it was still a crime scene? Well, that's what you would have thought. But I'll add to that later. Okay. (laughs) There, When they get there, um, her parents, like when they eventually were allowed to, I don't know, not even see her. When they found out what she was wearing, it was the same thing she had been wearing the night before. Okay. When they were there. Okay. Which means that it happened the night before. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also weird because her heat was set at 80 degrees, but it was a nice day. So it was late April. So I think the temperature, it was like sunny and 48 degrees, which is warm for that part of the country. I know anyone in the South and Texas, that seems cold. But there were her windows where she had her windows open because you get this nice cool breeze and stuff like that. And that's a good day for up in Cleveland that time of year. So they're like, well, why was the heat set at 80 degrees? Like you wouldn't uh, set your yeah, heat and open no, the window. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So that so tells me the, they went out the window. They either went out the window that the heat thing tells me that they wanted the body to decompose faster because they decomposition i didn't know it did that yeah like cold temperatures will preserve it preserve it ah that makes sense i knew the cold preserves that was stupid of me so okay um there were also two cell phones found in her apartment that were not dawn's oh and there was and there her phone was still there too or they know there's an outgoing call from her cell phone at 4.39 a.m. the day she was found. So her parents were there the night before. She's wearing the same clothes, but she was trying to call someone at 4.30 in the morning. But with the rigidity and, and all of that stuff, rigor mortis and, you know, all that fun stuff, um, her time of death was put at 18 to 24 hours before the body was found. So that would have... Yeah. So Fort would be... So that puts it at a time between when her parents, probably not too long after her parents left. Had left. So she was probably being watched then to see when she was alone, maybe? Probably. Something. 
Um, and then it's also, did she make a call from her phone or was that someone else? Yeah. Make it look because like. I, to make it look like she was still alive then. Yeah. So, um, initially the cause of death was, um, basically they said it was an, uh, alcohol overdose. The official, I'm going to get like official here. The official cause of death was alcoholic steatohepatitis. I apologize mm-hmm. to our medical community who I've never heard of that. Well, me neither. I had to look that up. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I'm proud of you for how you said the word, though. You did good. Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> my sister-in-law is a nurse, so I'm sure she's listening to this Aww. laughing. So <laughs> shout out in that. I'm sorry. Uh, um, so basically, that's when the liver is scarred from excessive drinking. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it's swollen because it has to work harder from the damage that the alcohol did. If that okay. makes sense. But the pathologist who looked at her liver noted that her liver was normal. What? So it's like the cause of death was supposedly this alcohol thing. The liver. And they did do um her blood alcohol level was 0. 0.59. Oh, well and about the legal limit. Yeah, the legal limit in Ohio is 0. .08. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is that her parents said, well, we were there last night and we dumped all of the alcohol that we found in her house because they knew she was so stressed out. She was so freaked out about testifying that um, they didn't want her to that basically they were trying to prevent what the police said happened. Okay. You know, they didn't want her to drink herself yeah. into a stupor. Yeah. They just got rid of the temptation. And of course there's always the argument, well, she could have gotten it after you left. You know, she yeah. was 26 years old, yeah. but generally once you reach that level of drunk, your body's going to want to get rid of that alcohol. So you're going to throw up. You would think, but there is no vomit found. Yeah. There is no vomit found in her on her person or in her apartment or anywhere. Like you would think, okay, it's alcohol poisoning. At some point she passes because usually it's like they pass out and they choke on their own vomit. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. But, or there would be, if you're that drunk, like, probably gonna you're not gonna be in a sound state to like oh i gotta go throw up in the toilet or in the sink like there's gonna be vomit somewhere on you on the floor whatever so that was weird there was no alcohol in her apartment and there was no vomit in her apartment what's weird to me in addition to that though is like he's saying that her liver was normal like is your does your liver go back to normal after you're dead probably not it doesn't make sense so what else would cause her to have high levels of alcohol you know what i mean like her blood like what would cause her alcohol her to go her blood alcohol to go up that high 
Yeah. And her parents, they, they knew something was wrong because the police, no matter how much they asked, they would not let them identify the body because basically they were like, Oh, it's alcohol poisoning. She OD. And so they didn't do any interviews of witnesses. They didn't investigate anything. It was just, Oh, accidental overdose. Oh, and a cover up. That's a yeah. cover up. What? Yeah. I, I did not say that. Man. I said it. It's okay. It appears to be a cover up. Yes. If it were law and order, that's probably what they would think. Now I get though, not letting them go into a crime scene to identify a body. And exactly. I mean, I understand that because I don't want to, them to contaminate or mess with, I don't know, but so I, they, I get that, I guess. Well, but, but here's the thing. So they're like, okay, well, then they go to the coroner, which is generally where the family's taken to identify the body. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't let them see her. They said, oh no, wait till she gets to the funeral home because okay, then you don't no, want to remember her this way. Oh, I don't want to remember my daughter dead in any manner, whether it's at the coroner or at the funeral home, she's still dead. And I don't want to remember that. That makes no sense. Yeah. Because they, I thought they had to have a positive ID at the court, like at, like how you're saying, like, I thought that was like a requirement that someone has to positively ID the body. Well, given her position, it didn't say who identified the body. I mean, but who knows that uh, prosecutors, Dan or Mark didn't do it. And she, and she, you know, she, worked i mean she was in the courts and stuff so i mean people knew her yeah so it could have been one of the cops that said oh yeah i know her i don't know i didn't get into all family if the family wants to view they yes i thought they had that right so that itself is sketchy yeah so um they actually didn't really truly did not see her until the funeral Oh my gosh. And so, oh God, I know. Um, And they, so they see her in the funeral and they said her face didn't look natural. Like, you know, with that stuff, they try to make the person look as natural as possible. Yeah. Um, But they said it didn't look real natural. And they saw there was like some swelling and they described it as weird marks that would have indicated a struggle. Oh, That's interesting. Well, that just goes into the whole alleged cover-up theory. Now, can't they have an independent person do an autopsy and do their own cause of death? I believe so. I feel like that's what I would have done. I would have had somebody else do that, like in a different county or just completely somewhere else where there was no, you know, like a chance for them to lie about something or cover something up I would have taken it to get examined somewhere else yeah because yeah because there's people who are like former medical examiners who have like a private business for that yeah like they're not part of any state organization or anything they just they have their own private business so yeah um but at this point the the police were said at, okay, 
this is, this is it. So Tony hears about Dawn's death and he feels like it's his fault. Mm. Like, like if, you know, if he had never, you know, if he didn't ask for her help or she didn't offer his help or, you know, he refused it or whatever, like he felt Mm -hmm. like she should still be alive. Well, so, maybe yes, maybe no. You don't have a way of really no, you knowing don't know. what would have happened to try to protect people who were doing something wrong. Like, you don't really know. But I can understand why he feels that way. Yeah. So, um, in 2020, well, in May of 2020, Tony was released from federal prison on house arrest. And then in July of 2020, the federal government and the FBI admitted to wrongdoings. Oh, they admitted? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. But at one point, I was reading this, and this is, listeners, I apologize. I was just getting, like, it is a web of lies everywhere, and I was getting caught up into it. Yeah. But at one point, <laughs> like... At one point, Mark Bennett was promoted to, oh, what was the title? Um, he was appointed to the Justice Department. Okay. Like to be the lawyer at the Justice Department. Yeah, that's a mistake. Um, and, and yeah, that was, that's the thing about this. It's like you have all these legal terms and legal, but then like these guys are such a-holes. You don't like, I didn't care enough to look. And that's very unprofessional of me. And that's what sets us apart from other podcasts. I'm sure. Is <laughs> that we don't care if we screw up because we're like, I, we just don't I'm like you. you. No, I'm giving you facts. I'm just not giving you all of the facts. I'm providing oh, the listeners an opportunity to do research on their own. Should they oh have God. time to do so. Oh um, my gosh. It's so funny. So anyway, so they're like, oops, our bad. Well, eventually in his second state trial, the one that Don helped Tony prepare for, mm-hmm. um, Tony was acquitted of all 50 counts. Really? On the state, yeah. Wow. Okay. So he was able to um, win those and and then he was, you know, put on house arrest in 2020. So he was in jail for longer than what he should have been because he was truly innocent. But fortunately, he didn't have to set out those whole 12 and a half years. Um, so like I said, he felt, um, guilty for what happened to Don and he has a website that is, uh, freetony.com and he actually, it's like, he's like, okay, that's great that I was proved innocent on this stuff. Cause I didn't do it, but we have this poor girl who lost her life. So he actually was determined to right that wrong. So, wow. These are like some really like good do like you just don't come across today. I don't feel people who are so honest and driven to do the right thing. 
Well, and usually you think like my first impression when I just like saw his name and stuff. Um, and this was my bad. I was proven. But it's like you think about these like real estate guys who are making millions and millions of dollars. And you just naturally assume that he had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he found out she was working with prosecutors. He probably had a hit put on her. Well, Tony, I apologize. I misjudged you. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it whatever. Happens. It happens. Um, so but he actually cleared the air. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. Cleared the air. Tony, Tony, if you want to have a beer next time I'm in Ohio, let me know. Um, <laughs> but no, so he was like, yeah, I'm innocent, but you know, we still have this issue because at this point, and this is, he's going to give updates in June of 2022. Dawn's poor okay. family is still trying to get someone to listen to them, but it was not an overdose. Well, no investigation had been done. Yeah. And so, um, so in June, 2022, Tony put on his website that it is reported that Dan was seen at Dawn's apartment just hours before she supposedly died. What? Now who told him that or where does he say where the information came from? Cause you know, you no. gotta have credible, credible info here. Yeah, no, it was, he said it was some records, public records, I think. Okay. We're on there. And then he also stated that the medical examiner, and I think it was probably a new one was willing to consider new evidence in the case. Now, I don't know if you, if you know the the answer to this, like, will they have to like resume her body to do a new, huh? Exhume her body. Exhume. What did I say? Resume. (laughs) It's been a bad day. (laughs) They have to resume her body in order to do that. (laughs) Oh, poor listeners. I promise. Next one will be, (laughs) next one will be much better listeners. Um, gosh words leave me at this point in time i'm sorry it's been a day for both of us it has Um, been it has been but we're here we're here giving you all we got here for you because we've been gone for a while so this is our dedication um so in 2023 so this year earlier this year we're going like right up to the minute um attorney kim corral Coral Corral, C O R R A L, um, helped the family decide. She's like, I'm going to help you guys. We need to get this taken care of. And she went to the police and asked them to reopen Dawn's case. Oh, wow. So it was assigned to Detective John Morgan of Cuyahoga County, Cuyahoga County, um, Sheriff's Office. I know it is. Um, And he reviewed the file and determined that Parma police failed to collect evidence or interview witnesses. Wow. They also failed to, I don't know if I wouldn't say mention, I don't know. Somehow they did not take into account that Dawn's computer was missing from the scene. Oh, what? (laughs) These are big pieces of evidence. Yes. Yeah. 
Correct. Um, so with this new investigation that started in February, um, uh, Detective Morgan said that the following people should probably be interviewed. And that is attorney Jack Patrick, who happens to be Dan Casares' brother. Oh, Ooh, the plot thickens. Dan's wife, Susan. And our friend Kathleen, Catherine Clover, the government witness who was also sleeping with Mr. Dan. Oh, my goodness. Um, so they got was- an all out they've called them all well let me let me add a side note about miss Catherine katie cat here um (laughs) so she (laughs) Catherine. i don't know what she prefers whatever she goes by i don't know so so she was having this affair with dan and he's you know big time prosecutor for the state and so she's getting in trouble because it is coming out that her, that she lied under oath. Like she already knows she's in trouble. Like back when Dawn started putting, you know, all this stuff together. Mm-hmm. So she, as she is about to be indicted on fraud charges, she decides she's going to go to law school because you want to know what, you know, you want to know your rights. So she was going to law school, you know, whatever. That doesn't look shady at all. Um, so her husband was going one night to pick her up at Cleveland State after class. And he sees her. So he pulls up and he sees her get into another car. And he thought, oh, she might have forgotten that I was picking her up tonight. So he follows the car. The car goes and meets another car. A man gets out. And him and Catherine give each other a very warm greeting. So now the husband knows of the affair. Conveniently. I can't hear you, Angie. Not too long after this was found out, Catherine's husband was arrested. So you're going to get really mad, but like your whole thing that you just said cut out again. And I I didn't hear anything you just said about why he got arrested. (laughs) I don't know what's happening with my, it has to be on my side because your side is still good. Right. So I don't know what's happening over here. You know what? It could be me turning. I'm not sitting at a table. I'm sitting on the floor and I keep shifting. So maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I didn't hear what I don't hear what he got arrested for. I'm so sorry. Um, wait. So who got arrested? The husband. The husband husband got arrested. I hadn't hadn't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't hear what you said before that either. So he's arrested. He gets out. Gets arrested again because supposedly he had explosives in his house. And he was considered a threat. Yeah. And given his, yeah. And given his military history, I guess they were able to make it even worse. Like now it's a terroristic threat or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So he ended up in jail for 19 years. None of this was true. What? It wasn't true. He didn't have explosives. Wait, what? <laughs> I feel there's so many holes that my brain can't fill in right now. Dan, Dan, Dan <laughs> didn't lie. Dan didn't want him knowing or causing trouble, so he had him arrested. Oh my gosh. And he was well, it gets even better. So with like the way everything was brought up to trial and stuff, he was actually refused a trial by jury. Like he never even got a chance to get go to trial. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was messed up. I'm not even gonna go into all of that stuff because that's like a whole nother thing. That's just more stuff. I just wanna give you an idea of the kind of people that Catherine and Dan were are. This, yeah, no, we those are people that we don't need in our lives. No. So um so this poor man, this poor veteran was sentenced to 19 years for nothing. Oh my God. That makes me sad. Those people that, yeah, that's terrible. Because one night he was trying to be nice and pick his wife up at school. So anyway, so basically um, detective Morgan says, okay, you need to interview these people. And he also said that, Police needed to um, find the missing phones. So the two phones that were not Don's that were in her apartment, they like, you need to find that. You need to find the owner of, I think it was the cell phone that Don's phone called. I'm going to read out the phone number in case anyone has any information in regards to you. That's a great piece of information. Well, I almost called it, but then I got scared. Oh, so we want to together, we can like star 67 yeah. and do it. <laughs> well, I don't want to get into that. No. Do we want to do it right now? Like live? No. Oh my God. That would be... You no, out I, will... I can't hear your answers to no. my questions. No, no. Okay. And no. No. Okay. Okay. No. I was all for, okay. Okay. You, you can dial your own phone <laughs> when I read the number, but girl, that is not on me. Oh my God. I'm just providing the information. Okay. Okay. So the number is, and please let us know if you're one that calls and out of curiosity, the number is 440-915-9207. So if you know someone with that phone number, please call the police. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> You sure you don't want to try to call it and like ask for someone? You girl, you are you more. Like, do you want to call and say, "Hey, is Dawn there?" You call. No, I'm asking. Do you want to? Like, what do you? What, and you want to say if, if, it's you, a, if it's a man or a woman? Don't ask for Dawn. That's too well, obvious. What are you gonna do? Like, I feel you can't just like call and like not like. Just, okay, how, no, how many years ago? That let's back this, up there. Let's no, about no, this, no. this was released. This was released in February of this year. That that was the number. But she what called. I'm saying though, was like that that was the number from back in the day. Cause this happened yeah. years ago. Yeah. So isn't it possible that someone else knew could have this phone number by now? Yeah. 
Okay. So it's not necessarily... The killer? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I also forgot to mention that not a few days before she was supposed to go to trial and before she was murdered, Dawn ran into an ex-boyfriend who she broke up with years before because he was doing drugs. Okay. And then all of a sudden he shows up wanting to talk to her in her apartment. And so he left and her, she called her parents and was like, yeah, it was weird that this guy just randomly pops up after, you know, two or three years. Did they look into him? So he could be a possible. I mean, he could be. Person of interest. Anyone that saw her in those, that last day could be. So. Are you with me? I, I don't think it was him though. I'm still going with, with my other theory. You're gone again. Oh, you're gone for real. Oh, no. It says she's gone. Angie, I've lost you. Where'd you go? Are you there? Hey, I am here. Is it still still recording though? I don't know. Yeah, we'll cut all that out. That's what happened that one time, and we'll just okay. Yeah, so I I didn't I didn't x out of it because I was like, remember that last time that happened, and then like you had trouble getting it to all come back or yeah, like because it uploads separately. So we'll probably just keep the um keeping going after a few minutes after we record. Okay. Just to make sure if that makes sense, that it all yeah. uploads. I don't yeah. know. My internet cut out. That was me. So okay. we'll just start it. We'll just start where we left off. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one. Okay, listeners, we had some technical difficulties. Um, my computer cut out just as Kristen and I were debating on whether or not to call this number. <laughs> And I'm not sure if that's the universe saying, hey, don't call it. Oh, my gosh. What if it is? Oh, because so, I was going to have to have you repeat the number to me. And then all of a sudden you were gone. <laughs> yeah. But I could also take it as a sign that now you're back. So now I'm back. You didn't have to start over. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Um, like I'm tempted to call it, but like, I don't know. I don't yeah, block your number, though. 
Well, like I could, yeah, but like I'm just saying, like I also think that like by now it could have been re-given out to someone else, and then like we're calling it like someone that has no clue about anything. Surely it wouldn't be given out to someone else. I would think that the police would know. You think? Well, I would hope so. I mean, this guy, this new guy that this detective, um, he seems competent. Like, can you lock numbers though so they can't be reassigned? I think so. Well, surely the police have tried calling this number, right? I, I would hope so. If Is not, I fear for the police department up there. Is it like a burner phone? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we need to do like a reverse phone number lookup search and see who it's registered. Oh, yeah. In. I canceled my subscription for that service, but I'll know But the police would have done all that. Yeah, that's true. That's it had to be a number up. that's out of service. And they're just hoping maybe someone still has that number in their phone. <gasps> what if I search my phone from when I lived up there and it's someone oh, I know? Do it. Put the, Start typing the number in and see if it pulls up. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. If I get killed, I really hope that someone covers my murder. You will not. I, number one, you're not going to. And number two, I will absolutely cover it. <laughs> I hope so. No, no number, no number. Um, okay. No one in my family. Oh, that's a relief. Check that off the list. I know. It's probably somebody in mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) My family's effed up, y'all. People that don't know my family's effed up, so <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, so while we're talking about the competent Detective Morgan, I do want to read the statement that he put out about all of this previous lack of investigation. Um, so this is uh, a quote from Detective Morgan in his statement. After reviewing the Parma police case file, it was clear that the Parma police department did not investigate the death of the descendant. There was not one descendant. Is that the right word? Deceased, right? Should be deceased. Yeah. A descendant well, is like your ancestors. Okay. That's what I thought. Cause I was thinking yeah. of the, the, the Disney movie and I'm like, eh. <laughs> 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 um, Maybe he's not that statement. He wasn't that competent. So <laughs> there was not, well, this could have been a typo too. A typo. From, okay. All right. But in fit of the doubt. Yeah. There was not one interview conducted in this matter, an area canvas. In this case, a canvas of, it says descendants again, the deceased neighbors locate located in the apartment building was not completed. So they didn't talk to any of the neighbors or anything. Furthermore, there is not any indication in any of the police reports provided that an attempt was made to retrieve video surveillance from the apartment complex entry or exits. And there was no attempt to preserve any evidence at the collected at the crime scene. That's why he needs to find the phones. The 
Parma police reports do not include any mention of mobile cellular devices located inside the department writer. Wait, located inside. There should be a comma. There, there's so many grammatical errors. <laughs> located inside, the department writer was unaware after reading the initial police investigative reports or looking through the photographs taken from the scene that a mobile cellular device was located inside the deceased apartment. The writer only discovered there were three mobile cellular devices uh, located at the deceased apartment from the Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner's Investigator's Report. So in the police report, it didn't say that there was her phone and then two that didn't belong to her. Furthermore, yeah. Furthermore, a mobile cellular device was pictured in the medical examiner's photographs. So I'm guessing the crime scene investigators Um, from watching CSI. That's what I gather. Um, Medical examiner's photographs with an outgoing call to a number, a telephone number at 439 hours on the day that the deceit's that what deceased body was discovered by the Parma police department. So they had, you know, the CSI people came in and took pictures and of all this stuff, but it wasn't in the written police report. So that was all left out. Well, I'm glad somebody took pictures. Yeah. Someone did their job at some point. Wouldn't there be pictures of her body then to see if her face is all marked up? Wouldn't that be something like there should be. Yeah. And wouldn't that help them like reopen to look into the cause of her death? I would hope so. I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier whenever like, yeah, maybe the family didn't get to see the body, but that doesn't mean that pictures weren't taken. Like they would have to be. There should be crime scene pictures. And I think the medical examiner, when he does the autopsy has to take pictures. Yeah. So that would because her family only saw her face. So like if there were any marks anywhere else. Yeah, they would have been photographed. I don't know. I didn't see any of that. So um, Detective Morgan. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah, we need to know where it was a little email pictures. So I'll email him. It wasn't like if there was something on her face, but it wasn't part of her cause of death, it would be easy for them to explain what it is, or it should be easy for them to like describe. Yeah. And you could tell like, if it's like an old bruise or a new, you know, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Maybe I'll email detective. I really want to know though, if they're saying her blood alcohol level was so high, but there was no alcohol. Let's say there was no alcohol. What else could she be given to induce that same? Well, see, my my thought, like initial thought was, and I don't know why, I think I've just watched too many movies mm-hmm. um, and read too many books. But um, my thought was, if there were marks, like say she had been beaten, even if she was just hit a couple of times to where her face was marked, but not like completely messed up, they could have threatened her or whatever and made her drink. Oh, 
Like you can stick a funnel down someone's throat and make them drink. And then at some point she's going to pass out. Well, I just Google just, you know, see what it says. Um, And so it says that um, diet drinks, drinking several diet drinks will raise it. I doubt that's what it was. Um, Your ketones in your body, certain medications, mouthwash, breast sprays, and paint fumes. Oh, you know what? I saw an intervention one time. Um, we were talking about the show intervention. This is me. I saw a lady, she was an alcoholic and her family wouldn't give her any alcohol. So she sat and drank Listerine. Oh my God. I've heard about that. Whenever I lived in Houston and worked at HEB grocery store, um, people would come in like people that were, um, that were known in the town to like be homeless. They would come in and steal the Listerine or try to steal the Listerine off the shelves to try to help them get like a buzz. Cause they, um, uh, needed it that much. So this also says that cold and allergy medicines, cough syrups will also raise your level. Now it doesn't say how high it can raise it. So it's not saying it could raise it as high as that 0.5 that she had, but also I'm thinking if you take a whole lot of cough syrup, if that raises it and then cough syrup, you over, you could also overdose on it. Maybe that would be similar. I don't know. Is there anything you can inject? Like, I'm just wondering if there wasn't. Yeah. Let me, um, let's Google and see. Cause it didn't list what kind of medications would do it. And um, then also was her blood alcohol really 0.59? Like who saw the blood work? I just want to understand her liver. If her liver was like it was normal was the was normal whenever she got the autopsy but allegedly her cause of death had to do with it being like enlarged inflamed whatever swollen i don't understand that but see then that goes with the rumors that danny boy started about her being an alcoholic and drug abuser mm. um So I'm looking at, can you inject something? And again, this is just what Google pulls up, which doesn't mean that it's all accurate. Um, But this pulled up, again, over-the-counter NyQuil, Vicks, cold medicines. Um, And then it says things, things injected by other means, but it doesn't say what... And I'm looking to see if like some kind of opium maybe would do that. So then you're wondering, is there like a needle mark or a puncture mark? Yeah. Um, I don't know what this, this says to, uh, again, and her stomach know. contents. What did her stomach contents say? Yeah. Yeah. Because if she still had food in there and it was that high that it caused her to die, then again, no throw up. Yeah. 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 There was no throw. I mean, no evidence of throw up. I don't know. This article says tincture, T-I-N-C-T-U-R-E of opium um, can be injected and raises your BAC. I don't know what that is or if that's something that's easy to get there. Blood alcohol content. No, no, no. Not the BAC part. The, the tincture. So opium, like a drug addict ex-boyfriend could get. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's saying yeah. So I don't know what the but it but it specifies that T word T I N C T U R E of opium. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. I haven't heard of that. So um that's really all that's coming hmm. up whenever I Google that injectable. So I don't know. Maybe well, there's your, a lot of questions that we need to have answers yeah. to. Maybe your sister-in-law would um, know something or know I, things that, that could be taken that's not alcoholic that would give her that kind of a overdose level. Or she could at least pronounce the words the word, correctly. The words correctly. I feel like yeah. she needs to be on standby. So whenever we do need something corrected that um, she can do that for us. <laughs> well, actually I am texting her right now to see if she's up. And if she is, we're going to call her on speaker. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, if not, we'll have her on when there's another. Yeah. I, did, I didn't think about all the medical stuff that, cause you take it for what it is, but yeah, it's like, well, were there any puncture marks? Yeah. What was her stomach content? I need to get a hold of the autopsy. Yes, because I feel these are things that they had to look into, but to not have wanted, like, because another autopsy has not been ordered. Yeah. So I feel like they felt that it was enough that, you know, they didn't have to exhume her body and, and redo it. Mm hmm. So, well, yeah, um, I don't know. but then again, if I was a liar, I'd probably feel the same way too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, anyway, so if, if my sister-in-law gets back to me, we'll call her. If not, we'll give you answers next time. Okay. Sounds like a good so, plan. Yeah. So, um, anyway, to finish this, this story out and get this over with, because just, the world technology just is not having it today. <laughs> um, so that was in February of 2023. And, oh, I forgot. In 2022, Mark Bennett was fired from the Justice Department. So he is no longer working there. And interesting. Well, and. On June 29th, 2023, so very, very recently, he is facing the Ohio Supreme Court because of accusations of an inappropriate sexual advances towards an intern. Oh. And there, and as of right now, there's no ruling on whether or not he'll keep his attorney's license, which my guess is he probably won't. Uh, yeah, but say if he is found guilty that he absolutely would lose that. Yeah. Um, mm. And then also uh, for Mr. Dan, um, he, after Tony was cleared of all the charges and after Don, well, it was after Don's death, after Don's death, I'm sorry. Um, Dan did not go into work for about two weeks. Hmm. He was also because he had uh, defense wounds on himself, not defense wounds. Disposing um, of his, like, you know what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah. 
because he had marks on himself. Well, he was also seen disposing of his computer, his laptop. Oh, oh I forgot to mention that. This is just a shit show of an episode right now. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going to clear up my notes. I'm going to post a timeline on our social media. That way, hopefully, people can follow it a little better. But right now, it's just a shit show. <laughs> but we're fun. But we're fun people. Our shit show is fun. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know at this point. We'll be we'll be more um, we'll be more rested and and not traumatized on our next on our next. Girl, I'm not promising anything right now. I'm not either. It's okay. Oh, well, so so, we have goals. We have goals. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the goal to have my life together by in two weeks. <laughs> so, but anyway, so, and then he is, and the way they did it, you know, cause so she worked for this mortgage task force. So after Don was murdered, basically it kind of got slowly dissolved. Okay. Right after her murder. Hmm. So it was like, that's when uh, Mark Bennett was promoted to the Justice Department and Dan was kind of moving away from that mortgage thing. So then there's no more task force anymore. Hmm. But then Bennett was fired um, and now faces these accusations, which I am going to guess that are true. <laughs> allegedly they are allegedly. allegedly if it were on tv it would probably be true okay if it was in law and order <laughs> but um in april of 2023 <laughs> the yale law school advanced appellate clinic mm-hmm. argued that the fbi and the justice department were in violation of a 2016 court order requiring each to produce voice recordings made by Don and emails from Mark and Dan to Catherine, who Mark admitted committed perjury. So they so, still haven't, they've had seven years to supply it and they have it? Correct. Which even back in 2020, they admitted, oh, we messed up with Tony's case. But I guess they were asked to produce, you know, these voice recordings and the emails and basically everything that would prove Tony innocent and then guilty. Hmm. So. That's the update as of right now oh my gosh so uh no questions were answered we can speculate on many things and yeah, i'm gonna speculate i'm gonna speculate yeah i'm gonna speculate so gonna uh, speculate. i think i am gonna follow up though with um detective morgan Send him now, as just like regular civilian type people, can we order autopsy reports? Well, we'll see. That's what I learned with the other case we did. Remember when I tried to do that um, 
for Amanda Claremont. Mm-hmm. And the lady at the, the police records department said, well, you have to go through like the attorney general to get these records. Like he has to approve it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she canceled the request, I could talk to the detective mm-hmm. and he's the one who gave me all the information. So I think if I just emailed detective Morgan, he would give me more information than if I tried to request the documents. Well, and I guess the other thing too, though, is like, I don't know. I mean, with stuff being so shady, it might not even be an accurate report, but yeah. Yeah. And okay. if you, and you can, yes, you can request the records, but they can redact as much as they want. To where it's just like the diagram of a body. And nothing yeah. Else. And everything crossed out, blacked out. Yeah. Everything crossed out. Gotcha. Okay. So it would be easier okay. just, yes, I will. I'll shoot detective, the detective an email and see. Yeah. See if he wants to be on with us and talk about it. I think it might be too recent. I mean, cause this is ongoing. Oh, that's right. We learned that from one that if it's still an active. Yeah. Active long going. Yeah. Oh, we're just Hopefully trying to spread the we'll word. Have, yeah, I know. Or, oh, you know who I should contact is Tony. Oh, yes. That poor guy. I'll put that on my to-do list for tomorrow. Okay, so you'll contact Tony, but we can't call the star 67 number. <laughs> Tony didn't do anything. He's trying to find out who killed her. I know. He's a, he's being a that good person. I've never, I've never known people to be so strong in their morals to make sure they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, I'm free, but, and that number could be the person who killed her. Yeah. So I wonder if Tony knows the number though. I'm assuming he would tell police. No, that's true. Like, why would he, he's not going to come on our podcast and be like, well, I have information for you. It happens. Sometimes people hold on to things until they're on a podcast and then they share them and it blows a case wide open. He doesn't seem like the type that would do that. Okay. okay. Like he seems like he's really, truly trying to find out who did it. I know. Yeah. No, I trust that. I trust that. I mean, that would be awesome if he did and I can yeah. quit my job, but <laughs> I can quit my job. if there's That'd anyone, if there's anyone who listens that works for Dateline NBC or 2020, <laughs> I'd be happy to sell any of my information to you for a fair price. For a very fair price. <laughs> very fair price. Mm. That happened to be the amount that I could quit my job. Oh, that'd be great. So I just need to retire and get some really heavy therapy. So <laughs> that would also be great. I mean, if you want to do it as like a charity type thing, like I just Go want to say, me. yeah, I just need some therapy people. That's it. <laughs> uh, so listeners, thank you so much. If you're still listening to staying on this train wreck of an episode, it was a little bit of a train wreck. <laughs> it was a lot of a train wreck. I'm so sorry. And we're not even drunk. Absolutely not. I feel we'd be more on top of it if we were. <laughs> so I will edit as much as I can. I am not promising anything, listeners. I do, however, promise that the next episode in two weeks will be back on track to what back we usually 
Yeah, make sure you edit out the parts where like you cut out and I'm going, hello, Angie, Angie. (laughs) Oh, because I was like, Kristen, are you there? I know. I feel like those need to go away for sure. We'll see. We'll see how it sounds. (laughs) I'll wait till tomorrow to edit so that I have a clear mind. Uh, Okay. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Okay. So Uh, thank you again, listeners, for staying with us. I'm pretty sure there's probably about three of you right now. Um, (laughs) And I can tell you who it is. Not counting us or counting us because we're still here too. Well, no, my sister-in-law and two of my coworkers. Oh my God. I love it. I guarantee you those, those three are still with us. I can't even speculate about the rest. Yeah, it's okay. It's all good. It's fine. So thank you again, listeners, Kristen. Thank you. I know it was just kind of a crazy day for both of us, but I appreciate your dedication. I appreciate you. And still wanting to, uh, to record tonight and we will be back in about two weeks. Hopefully school starts soon. So hopefully we'll still be back on our two week record with a case um, from Texas into San Antonio, actually. Okay. So have a great evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to us, Kristen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Yes. Bye. (laughs) Bye.